With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Kane in the pipe! And it is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown! Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down. And that is a touchdown, New take you to places most fans never go to practice to the sideline to the locker room following every twist turn and touchdown of the same season that is going to be a touchdown Taysom Hill Taysom TD welcome to inside black and gold and that is going to be a touchdown again and guess who Mike Thomas now here are your hosts Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak We are inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. Happy to be back off the holidays. Hope you had a great one. Uh, Now getting ready for a Saints team that has two games left in the regular season and still have some chances to make the playoffs. Who's happy? Are you happy? I'm not happy. What are you talking about? I'm back in Louisiana. I have a (laughs) tailbone. You don't even know about that. Steve doesn't even know about that. Uh, only people who are watching on YouTube really know about. So, Steve, uh, when I was recording the podcast in the hotel room in L.A., I, I accidentally fell down with the mic on, but the camera was off. And so everyone heard me like wipe out in my hotel room because the chair like rolled out from behind me. So, yeah, I'll, I'll send you the audio. It's uh, it's a doozy. High comedy. Yeah, it's uh, you'll have a good time. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, it's no one's happy. No one's happy. Uh, and you know, the, the only, the only, the only thing that feels better, slightly better is that there's a lot of NFL teams right now with unhappy fan bases, right? Like it's like, uh, it kind of feels like 80% of NFL teams don't like their teams at any, at at any particular moment. And this season is no exception, but I think the saints are probably down towards the bottom of that group as they should be in terms of like, I, I guess not down towards the bottom, up towards the top in terms of, in terms of merited frustration and, and vitriol toward toward the team because it's just, it's, it's not great. But so this first segment, I want to get into kind of like, okay, where are the saints? Like in just not, not in this season, really just in terms of like in the NFL, like where are they and and why, why, why are they the way that they are? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, second segment, I have this one, the, like there's a lot of issues with this team, but I have one big issue that in terms of something that I just cannot get my, just get behind it and, and feel like it's going to get better anytime soon. And, and it's the biggest problem this team has um, when it comes to actually finding a way to improve. Um, so we're going to get into that. We have some audio from Deuce McAllister and Brian Baldinger that, that I think kind of gets to that point. And then the final segment for those who, uh, you know, celebrate uh, playoff scenarios, there are some playoff scenarios, right? The saints are not eliminated they're going to keep trying, right? That, like, that's the thing that you hear people say, well, why don't they just tank and lose their final two games? Well, no team that has a potential road to the playoffs is going to sell themselves short in that regard, right? Like, they're, they're, there's this idea that, well, they're going to protect their draft pick. Nah, you don't do that. Like, teams, it's a very, it's honestly, like, you talk about tanking, it's very rare to see a team 
actually tank. It has happened. You have seen it. Week 2020, the Eagles did it. Right. right. In Doug Peterson's final game. Because I think there was probably something coming from the top down saying, if you don't lose this game, you're fired. You got fired anyway. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but so there there are some scenarios and we'll go through them just so everyone's aware of them. They're unlikely. You don't, you're not going to feel good about it after you hear yeah. it, but we are going to go through that. So that'll be the final segment. We'll get into it. But this first segment, you know, I, I guess we, ha- we haven't talked to you after the game, Steve. You, were, you weren't feeling well, so I just rambled on my own. But, you know, kind of what, what are you – what is your kind of state of mind right now as it, as it pertains to, to the Saints? Uh, that was definitely another punch to the gut on Thursday night football. I knew it was going to be obviously a difficult matchup going out west, short week, an L.A. team that had been putting things together, and they really looked impressive against the Saints. I mean, uh, right now – after that matchup, I would say in the NFC, folks should watch out for that, that Rams offense, obviously pretty def- deadly with uh, Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup, and uh, Kyron Williams. And man, Matt, Matt Stafford looked like he had the, the fountain of youth back there. But the, another problem was he had way too much time to, to get rid of the football. And then just, uh, you know, once again, we go back to the inconsistency, consistently inconsistent team of not showing up early on in games. Too little, too late. And just, yeah, it was just um, a performance that it looked – the the final score was not indicative of how that game turned – was actually played out. No, I I agree with that. And, you know, it's funny because you look at a Rams team that's eight and seven. And, you know, I would put that in the category of good teams the Saints have played, right? Because they haven't had that many. And that's why you look at this season and it's particularly frustrating because you haven't had the 49ers, the Eagles, right? These teams that, you know, you should feel like, okay, well, they lost, but – this is a really good team and blah, blah, blah. You really haven't had that, right? Like you put the Rams in that category, you put the Lions in that category, and I'm really not sure. Maybe the Bucks. maybe the Bucks is a team you'd put in that category, another eight and seven team, but one that's playing well, even though yeah. at that point in the season, the Bucks weren't playing well, right? Like they were, I think they followed up that Saints win with three or four consecutive losses, right? Or like four or five, I, I can't remember, but like either way, that's a team that you could put in that category. And here's the thing, the Saints weren't particularly competitive in these games, right? Like when I look at this team and my major frustration, and I've always said this, like, I don't, you can't win a game in the first half, right? Like you can't win an NFL game in the first half. It's never happened in the history of football, but you know what you can do? You can lose a game in the first half, 100%. You can lose a game in the first half. And I would argue that's what the saints have done in a majority of games against not even the good teams, but the upper echelon middle tier teams right like the the jaguars the texans the vikings right then you have the bucks and the lions and now the rams all of those games you got out to slow start you got behind by double digits in the first half and then you know i think this is a team that does this is a saints team that does play reasonably well as the game goes on they make adjustments and you have veteran players and and they play with pride and they make these closer games than they probably could have been but you already lost that game in the first half, right? Like when you when you have to find a way to come back from from a three score deficit, you know that just doesn't happen in the NFL. And when it does, it's incredibly rare, right? Like you don't you can't make a living coming back from double digit deficits in the NFL, and that's what the Saints have had to do. And you know, so earlier this season, you know, we had a podcast where we talked about okay, there's this huge glut of teams in the middle, and you can't as a team just say, well, we're in that group. And so we just need to figure out how to get, you know, how to, how to improve out of that group. Like you have to figure out where exactly you stand in that group. And, you know, we've had, we've had some comments in terms of like, okay, you know, are the saints a middle tier team? And, and they absolutely are a middle tier team because you've seen them play. Like there is a low tier in this, in the NFL, right? You have teams like the commanders and the giants Right, and the Cardinals and the Panthers, right? The Patriots. And these are teams that the Saints have beaten. And what makes the Saints team misleading is that not only have they beaten those teams, they've beaten those teams handily, right? Other than maybe the Titans week one, that was a close game, Um, but it was one that you won on your terms, right? Panthers week two, you know, it came down to an onside kick, but you won that game on your terms pretty much. Other than that, You've you've won, you've beaten the Patriots easily. You've beaten the Giants easily, right? You beat the Bears. Like people will say it was a close game. It wasn't that close, right? Yeah. Beat the Bears pretty handily. Um, but that's it. 
that's the only thing you can look at this season and say, well, that's how it was supposed to go. Because in, that's those are the teams that you beat. You've proven that you are above that tier, but you have proven nothing else. And if anything, you've proven that you are at the bottom of that middle tier. If you look at the you look at the Saints, the winning percentage of the Saints. Okay, if you look at the games the Saints have won, they are they they're seven games come against teams with a combined record of thirty and sixty. Mm. They have one win against the winning team, and that is the Colts at eight and seven, a team with Gardner Minshew. So it's like he is the cheat code. If you're playing like an old school PlayStation game, like left, left, right, 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 left. You know, in the NFL context, that is the Saints playing any team that Gardner Minshew is the quarterback of. It doesn't matter how well they're playing. It doesn't matter what they've done the rest of the season. The Saints will beat that team. That's it. That's the only thing you can point to and say the Saints have done that well is just they beat Gardner Minshew. Wherever. That Minshew's number. Right. But then you look at the and you look at the games the Saints have lost. And there is a combined record of 64-56, right? So you have lost to a lot of middle-of-the-road teams. The only team you've lost to with a good record is the Lions. Everyone else is 8-7, and 7-8, seven, seven and eight, whatever. And so, like, to me, that's, that's the story of this team, is it's a team that is decent enough to beat bad teams, but it is nowhere near good enough to beat good teams. And it is right on the fringe of being able to beat middle of the road teams, but still not good enough. And when you look at a team that feels like it's making decisions and has been making decisions based on winning right now, that's not good enough. And you cannot, you cannot continue to do that. You cannot continue to operate in the way that you have. Um, We can talk about Dennis Allen. We can talk about Pete Carmichael. I think that's a conversation to have next week. Right, like I don't think we we need to spend all of this week talking about Pete Carmichael and Dennis Allen or whatever their job status because they're right. getting to the end of the season. But I think a lot of your decisions are going to be informed by how things look over the next two weeks. And and frankly, I would be shocked to see the Saints go out and be competitive against the Bucks in Week 17. I will say, Jeff, there was that report. I don't know if you touched on it at all in the last pod that I missed about Tom Pelissero saying that Dennis Allen's job seemed to be pretty much safe unless like things went totally awry in the last two games. Yeah. And one of the reasons I I don't want to really talk about it too much this week is because there is a lot to dive into. And yeah, what would end up happening is we would just completely just derail everything to talk about that. I got you. But I think like what's going to be the conversation toward the end of the season. And and I want to devote a lot of time to it is it's not necessarily about whether you move on from Dennis Allen. It is, what's the best road for this team going forward? And that road has Derek Carr on it, regardless of where you place it for at least one more year, that road has Derek Carr on it. And so when you're talking about what, what's the best option, whatever court coach you're trying to court, whatever coach you're trying to bring in, look at what is established and tell me why that's an attractive place for that coach to be. Right. And so yeah, I think to me and, and, and you're looking at it like, OK, how can we change things up so that if and when we do change coaches and change whatever, that it's that it's a scenario where someone can walk into it and feel like they are not booby trapped. Right. And totally so and right. again, like we can talk about this more next week. And I think it, like that'll be a much easier time to talk about it in terms of we'll have known what happened in this Bucks game because this is a big game. Right if the saints come out and look good and they beat the bucks on the, on the road and suddenly you're at eight and eight and you're looking at it. Like, I don't think that changes a ton, but it does at least negate the idea that you're going to go out there and lose by 50. Right. And if you do lose by 50 and the the team looks like it's quit and whatever, then that, you know, that informs a lot. So I, I think there's a lot, but, but I just think, you know, from a, from the perspective of how do you kind of pull out of this, out of this death spiral that you're in. It's not a one season thing. It is a multi-season thing. And it's going to come down to how do you change up your methods, right? Like you can bring a guy back, but operate like the Bucks did, right? And I think that's going to be a big part of the conversation is like, look at how the Bucks operated and how they made sure not to hamstring themselves 
for this season to try to win this season. And I think that's how the Saints, like you could maybe find a way to be competitive next season, but it has to come without trading up and giving up assets to go all in right now. It has to come without taking on bad money, right? And and that's what the Saints haven't done. And I think more so than the, than the I think it, as importantly as the coaching decisions are, it is the front office playbook hmm. and how they operate, right? Because I think you've gotten to the point where you have to consider, okay, what assets can we pick up? How can we reset the deck to some extent? Because I don't think anyone who's looking at this in any outside of the terms of, I don't want to get fired is going to say, okay, stay the course. You're improving. Cause like what, look at this team and tell me where are they better than they were last year? Right. It's not about where are you per se? It's where are you right now and how can you improve? And, you know, one of the things I, I said this, this week, as I kind of half paid attention to football because it was Christmas weekend. And I just want to thank the Jags for not forcing me to spend too much time on Christmas Eve watching that game is like, I, I tweeted that like, okay, the Jags and the saints seem to be competing with each other for who can disappoint their fans more in a patty cake division. That is, Hmm. that was just set up to win for by anybody with a pulse. Right. And someone said, Oh, the NFC South is way, was way easier to win this season than the AFC South. And I disagree with that completely. The AFC South was the Jags to take and they completely bungled it to the point that they're still trying to like, they they could still lose that. Right. And this is a division that you had a bunch of rookie quarterbacks that are now hurt. You know, Anthony Richardson was out, right. You know, the Titans, they gave up basically with Ryan Tannehill. The difference is you look, it's not that the, that it was more difficult to win this year. It's that the AFC South is littered with young up and coming quarterbacks. And the NFC South is littered with, broken down ass bang quarterbacks, right? <laughs> right. You're talking about Taylor Heineke and, and Desmond and Desmond Ritter and and Baker Mayfield and Derek Carr compared to Trevor Lawrence, Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, and Will Levis. Like that's the difference. It is the trajectory. And right now the Saints, their trajectory is down. And you mentioned, you know, uh, uh, the playbook for the front office. And I think there's a lot of fans right now when you're looking at Derek Carr's contract and this team going all in, like you had mentioned, trying to, to, to make something happen this season. And the Bucks were kind of just like, ah, eh, we'll give Baker this deal and, and see, see what, what he happens. can do. And he's he's turned out to be this a spark plug for them. And I don't think a lot of us expected that. Yeah, and I and, and I don't think the Bucks, I don't think this core of the Bucks is necessarily the long-term answer either. But the fact is you're not tied to any anchors when it comes to this core for the Bucks, right? If you wanted to move on from Baker, you could do that with no issue. And the Saints yeah. have not, well, cannot do that with Derek Carr. They just can't. And it's like you can draft a young quarterback and you can develop them, but it's not like you can say we're going a different direction. You can't because there's just no like that. You're you're that that money is is toast. Like you're it's sunken. So. At best, you are looking at a different structure around Derek next year. But in no way are you looking at it like, well, we're just going to tear everything down and start from scratch. Because what, are you going to pay him $30 million to go away? That's not better. Right, so that's, and that's what makes it frustrating. And I understand why people are annoyed by that. Uh, but, you know, it's, it is what it is. And that's why it's, you know, you look at it and you say, yeah, we're on par with a lot of these teams in the NFL in terms of like, well, this team's not good. This team's not good. This team's not good. And we're somewhere in there. But a lot of these teams you're trying to compare yourselves to are teams with young quarterbacks and young developing players and this yeah. and that and this and that. And where the Saints are is staring at a bunch of missed draft picks, guys who can't get on the field. Yep. And those are the players who you're supposed to be looking at as the trajectory upward type people. And you can only look at a handful and say, okay, Chris Olave's Chris Olave is good. That was that was a good draft pick, right? Pete Warner, while I don't think this has been his best year, is still a guy who you can you can have as your kind of core group to build, right? Paulson Adebo, you know, he's a, he's a core piece. Marshawn Lattimore is very good, but he's still he's getting older, so it's like he can't be part of the rebuild when it inevitably happens. So you just don't have those. Like you you don't have those pieces that you're like, okay, this is the future, and we're gonna find a way to massage this current group into that future group. 
because there aren't enough pieces to turn that, right? And you don't have enough money to go out and make meaningful free agency signings to add to that. And so, I mean, from the top down, I think there are some serious issues that need to be ironed out. And if you're not willing to commit to that, to commit to those changes, then I don't see how I don't see a way for this to improve. That's kind of where I'm coming at here. Yeah, and I know we're definitely going to get a lot into this the next segment. But the the biggest thing is so many misses with those high draft picks along the defensive and the offensive line. Not not seeing Trevor Penning at all this season has been disgraceful to me. Yeah, well, like the beginning of the end in terms of feeling good about this this draft system is 2018, right? Like you had the great draft in 2017 and then, you know, you said, okay, Marcus Davenport is our heat check guy, right? And from that point on, you just have not hit at all, you know, um, and... <laughs> I, will, I will say... Uh- uh, Brzee, I, I'm not, I'm not, I think has been okay. Yeah, but well, I mean, sure, but it, it's still like, okay, you know, he's, he's one of those pieces, right? He's yeah, one of yeah. those, okay, we have a handful of pieces that feel like a functional young roster, but only a handful, right? You're not looking at, you know, beyond the secondary, right? You <laughs> know, you're, you're not looking at any, any group on this team with that isn't, that isn't mainly populated by veteran players who whose best years are probably behind them. You know, wide receiver and the secondary. Sure. Like you could talk about, you know, Rashid Shahid, Chris Olave, A.T. Perry. I think that's a group that I, I like. Secondary, you have Marshawn, you have Adebo, you have Taylor, Alante who got Taylor, benched. Who got benched. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't think that, like, I just think he's an outside corner, right? And so, you know, this is going to be a conversation we're going to have as we get into the offseason, I don't want to have it now, but I'm going to tell you right now, one of my takes going into the offseason is trade Marshawn Lattimore. If you're trying to get up for that quarterback. I mean, I, I don't know. I, and that's the thing. I just don't think his value is going to be as high as anyone thinks it's going to be because of his contract and how you've restructured it. But I just think that there's going to, this is the, when I get into this offseason, one of my main rallying cries is going to be collect assets <laughs> collect assets because that is what teams in the state that the saints are in right now have to be willing to do when your trajectory is not upward and it's flat to down which i don't know how anyone could look at this team and argue that it's the trajectory of this team is is up you have to collect assets and build through the draft you have to and and this next segment, we're going to get into one of the one of the main reasons that is. But like asset collection, do it. And like when people say tanking, I, I disagree with the idea of tanking. I disagree with the idea of you're putting a team on the field that you that you think will lose, like you're trying to lose. But asset collection is a completely different type of of rebuild than what people seem to think and just drop all the way to the bottom, draft the quarterback, come back up. That's what the Colts did and it worked, but it's like, that's once in a blue moon that doesn't happen. But when you can build up your asset collection and you can have maneuverability so that maybe you can get to the top of the draft, maybe, maybe you can go get that guy. That's where the saints have to be looking to. And whether you fire the coach before you start doing that, or you give DA one more kind of lame duck year, and and maybe he finds a way to, to turn this around. You can't continue to just dig the hole deeper. You can't. You have to start digging your way out. And that's, you know, I, I mean, we're going to talk about a lot over the next two weeks. There's going to be a ton in terms of maybe the Saints do find a way to to kind of to, to finagle their way into the postseason or at least have a chance to do that in week 18. But it's not going to change what we saw this year. No, and I think, you know, we've talked about it a lot. There's how how much has really improved from a year ago? Uh, it, it's hard to really put a finger on anything except uh, I was thinking about it. Maybe takeaways that might be the, a bright spot cons- from last year to this year. Yeah, but takeaways like I get the idea that they're going into it and you're saying we need to get better at taking the ball away, and that there's a skill involved there. But it's also a level of randomness that you cannot say that's our identity, right? They, they tried to say, the DA tried to say that's our identity. Well, yeah, but you can't always be a takeaway like takeaways help and being 
good at executing and, 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 and pulling them off, that's great. But what happens when you can't take the ball away, right? right? And in the games, the Saints have not taken the ball away this year, which is an inevitability. They have been destroyed. You look at the Bucks game, week four. You look at the Vikings game, week 10. You look at this game, this past game, week 16. Like when they can't take the ball away, they've got nothing. And what that says about you is you're not very good. You're not a good defense, right? If you can't just play defense and win, you're not a good defense. And <laughs> I mean, no, that, I, that, that's been a I, huge I just, disappointment this year because obviously it's like, oh, the Saints, you know, they hang their hat on the D and the hats fall into the ground. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was the, the excuse last year was they don't take the ball away. Well, okay, this year they have <laughs> taken the ball away, right? They've lost games this year where they've won the turnover margin, right? <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it is what it is, and we're gonna we're gonna get into more of it. But lots of let's wrap up this segment here, um, and we'll come back. This is Inside Black Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Biller. We're gonna talk about what I consider to be the biggest issue that that you, I cannot reconcile going into to, to the off season, going into the final two weeks, whatever you want to say. Um, we'll dive into that. We'll hear from Deuce McAllister, Brian Baldinger. But this is Inside Black Gold. Thanks, y'all, for listening. We'll be right back. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. And, you know, Steve, what, when you look at this Saints team, it, it's kind of it's kind of like ranking your children in a way of like, okay, what's what's what does everyone do best and what does everyone do the worst, right? And what's the uh, – I don't know if that, that analogy pans out. But either way, it's like there are issues – and I think you kind of look at them and say, what is the most important? What do we need to fix? And what is most preventing us from having success? And I don't, I don't know how that, I, I think I probably missed with the children thing, but it, it is what it is. But I think as a, as a front office, that's how you've got to look at it. And when I look at this team and I say, what's the biggest issue facing this team? It is that the offensive line as currently constructed maybe has two starting caliber players on it. And I'm talking about the team that we saw out in LA. So not including Ramchek, which right. I don't know how you can look at Ramchek and, and see a guy who's, who's didn't have an injury, but can't play because of his knee and say, well, this is our, this is a guy that we're going to build around. I, I, I don't know how. Uh, so like that team that stood on the field against the Rams I think you had two starting caliber offensive linemen on the field, and that's Eric McCoy and Cesar Ruiz. That's it. Pete's played better this year. I'll give him that, but yeah, I, I'm scared to think that this team might pay him again. Well, you might have to. Right. And, and that's, that's kind that's of scary. my point is the offensive line is in shambles, and it has been slowly, slowly degrading over the last several years, and you have not been able to functionally – rebuild it. Um, you know, I, I, Nick Saldaveri, that's another one for me. That's like, I get why, why you had better options to begin the season, but I'm not sure you do right now. You know, James Hurst is not a starting offensive lineman in the NFL. He's a good backup. He's a good swing guy. He's not a starting right. offensive lineman. Landon right. Young is not a starting offensive offensive lineman. Andres Pete might be a starting guard. He's not a starting tackle and he hasn't played terribly. Right. But, he hasn't been good either. And I think when people look at offensive line, they get caught up in pass protection. And I understand why, because it's the most visible. And when a guy gets beat and, and the quarterback gets sacked, you're going to see the replay and you're going to be like, well, that guy sucks. But to me, one of the bigger issues is run blocking. Oh, that's you haven't been able to block a lick no. all year. And you're talking about your core offense. You have not been able to do anything that resembles effective offensive line play. Um, and, and again, like I think Eric McCoy has been solid. He's been who he is, but your center can only have such an impact, right? Cesar Ruiz has been okay. I wouldn't say he's been great, but he's at least played to a level where you're like, you know, this is a core piece of our offensive line. We've got him locked in for a few years. So we're not worried about, you know, right guard right now. Beyond that, what do you have? You have a first-round draft pick that you won't even put on the field? Oh, come on. He's on the field goal unit. <laughs> Keep him active. 
And, you know, I, I Brian Ballinger and Deuce McAllister talked about this. So let's let's hear what they uh, kind of their takeaway on it from uh, from a couple of days ago on WWL. When I look at it, you know, probably the biggest area that I was disappointed in was the play in the trenches. That's where you lost yep. the game, to be honest. I mean, because yeah. I felt like if the New Orleans Saints offensively could block them up front, that they could they yeah. could give themselves a chance. I mean, they could they could mm-hmm. give themselves a chance. I felt like that with the receivers and the skill positions that they had, that they could win. There were some matchups that they could win down the field, but not yep. being able to block them consistently up front, and then that leads to not being able to run the ball, and vice versa. The Rams, you know, they may not have a lot of uh, names up front as far as guys that that people know across the league, but they dominated the line of scrimmage against the Saints uh, last night. Both sides, Deuce. Both sides. I mean, you, you saw, I don't know how many yards Kamara had. He was getting about two yards a carry. Uh, I don't know what the final tally was, but it wasn't very good. And so they couldn't run it against him. And then you watch what Kyron Williams did. And, I mean, he's, he's a great back, a great young back that people are finding out about now. He leads the National Football League in, you know, 96 yards a game right now. Uh, even McCaffrey can't match that. But I, I thought that, you know, the Rams fixed their offense line this year. They they picked up Kevin Dotson from the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they drafted uh, Avila, and Alar Jackson stepped in for Whitworth, and they put their line together, and they played really, really good, Deuce, um, for most of the year. And when Kyron Williams is in there, they could run the ball with the best of them right now in this business. And and then vice versa, you know, the Saints, I mean, they really couldn't, they couldn't do much up front. And so became a passing game for him, and you know they just weren't, uh, you know, just weren't up to speed. Brian, when you look at that Saints offensive line, and this is just from uh, an outsider's view, and me and Mike were talking about it earlier. The play that they love to run is outside zone, but mm-hmm. how that line is built. It, it it seems that they're more built to run inside scheme or at least more zone or or, or gap scheme. You know, it, it, it's really late in the year. I mean, I don't think that they ever got comfortable with a fit, whether it was gap scheme or zone scheme, to be able to produce from a rushing standpoint consistently. Well, I mean, Doug Brooms has coached both styles, Deuce, and, you know, I think that the style of offense they would like to run, they would like to be able to execute that. Outside zone, I think you got to be able to do both, to be honest with you. I mean, the zone scheme is good, but teams want to try to take that away. It's good that it's, it's good sometimes just to punch people in the mouth and run some power and pull some guards and pull some backside tackles. They don't seem to be particularly good at it, and so maybe that's one reason why they don't do a lot of it. But, you know, I think, you know, they, they, they missed on Trevor Penning, that left tackle, and they're playing some guys that probably are backups in this business right now. So, and they're down ram check, and so they're playing a young kid and young at right tackle. They got to be better up front, dudes, period. What they're getting to there, and what I think is, a, is, a, is an important note to make is like, not only do you not have the talent on the offensive line that you need to have to succeed in the NFL, I don't think you have the talent on the offensive line you need to run your own core offense. And one of the reasons this offense has looked like such a struggle at times is that you can't do the things that you need to be able to do, right? You need to have a guard that can pull and get and get to a block. And like, you know, it, 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 it's just not effective. And what makes it more of a, of a concern to me is, A, you don't have the top end talent that you probably need to have on a, on a functional NFL offensive line. B, you don't see the development from young players to look at and say, well, okay, it's not where it needs to be right now, but I can see the vision of where it could be down the road. And I think when you when I look at the coaching staff and I say, okay, what what is the 100% definite thing that needs to happen? And you can make arguments for a lot of things that need to happen. But to me, it's Doug Marone cannot be the offensive line coach for this team for another year. Even if you kept it, if you had no changes, which I'm not saying that should be the case. I'm just saying like you, you, you cannot look at the, at the offensive line and you say, okay, Doug Marone, Kevin Carberry, whatever you want to look at it and say, they have, you have not seen an effective group over the course of an entire, of a season. And you've not seen a group where the players have gotten better. There is no excuse for, looking at Trevor Penning after week seven and saying, you're not good enough to even be the backup 
tackle on this team. And if if that's what you're saying, then that is a direct indictment on the coaching. You, we can look at the we can look at the scouting. We can look at whatever and say, well, that wasn't good enough, and they they missed, and they they should have gone with some whatever. But it, it, you can't watch a young player regress and then say the coaching is not an issue because it's 100% an issue. And to me, and, and one of why, why I think that is the biggest hurdle and one that I have a hard time looking past is you can't just upgrade your offensive line in, in free agency. It's very difficult to do. It's particularly difficult when you are not in a cap plus situation where you can throw some money at a guy, at a veteran, and have him come in and kind of anchor the line. There's a reason that offensive linemen are are littering the top half of the first round every year because they're difficult to find. And it's, it's really difficult to rebuild. And you're also in a situation where you have a quarterback who is not mobile and can't extend plays, which means your offensive line has to be able to protect or you will not have success as an offense. You, you don't have a Lamar Jackson or a Josh Allen or whoever who can extend plays and make your offensive line look better than they actually are. You have Derek Carr, a guy who is dependent on his offensive line to keep him alive. And so that's why, to me, the OL... And how you attack it uh, is going to be the biggest factor. And like this is what's going to delay this team from getting back to a point that it feels like they are reasonably competitive. Looking at a looking at the NFL and saying, "Hey, this is a team that could make a run in the playoffs." Until you get that offensive line figured out, you will not be doing that. And there's other issues: defensive line, running, running back. Uh, you know, you have aging players and linebackers and whatever. Like if the offensive line is not right, this team won't be right. Yeah, you, you mentioned with the running back situation, that was another uh, huge disappointment this year, but it definitely goes hand in hand, obviously with the O-line not being able to block for him. But I, I just figured, you know, with the additions, we were, I know c- training camp, we were all excited. Hey, Jamal Williams, they drafted Kendry Miller and it's just that three-headed monster with, I guess you could even say four with Taysom involved too with Kamara. It just, it has not been productive enough i think the saints are averaging what 99 yards rushing a game yeah and i mean Taysom has been a good chunk of that rushing attack and the reason right. the Taysom Hill offense works is it doesn't rely on the offensive line right like it's not like you have extra blockers you're 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 using the extra body for a reason right and so it's not like that's your core run game that's your Taysom run game so i don't right. even i i think in order to look at the success of the run game this year you would actually yeah, have to eliminate yeah. The Taysom part of it, and say, what has this done? Ooh, that would be. I, I don't. I can't even imagine what it is without Taysom's yardage. Yeah, right. It's not good, and <laughs> and you know, Alvin, a, a major chunk of his contribution this year has been through the passing game, and that's always been something he's a lead at. I think he, he was leading the NFL in receptions. I don't know if that's still true for running backs, but but like I, I look at Jamal and I'm like, is it Jamal's fault, or is it just there's no running lanes? And I think that it comes back to that. There's no running lanes. You know, this team can't this team can't execute core run concepts. And then you end up in a situation where they know you can't run. You're putting yourselves instead of third and four, you're in third and seven because you cannot you cannot get positive yardage on first and second down consistently. And you can't ask Derek Carr to sit in the pocket and allow teams to tee off on him 20 to 30 times a game. You can't run effective play action when the threat of the run is not there because it hasn't been effective. And, you know, when I asked Derek about it, he said, well, yeah, early on in the game, the play action was effective. And I was like, yeah, probably because they hadn't completely sold on the run yet because they didn't have – like once as that game went on, it became clear you couldn't run the ball in the second and third quarters, right? And I don't know. that That's kind of – this. that's all I really have is when I look at this team and I try to – I try to find – pieces where it's like okay this is something you can build around this is something you can build around i keep coming back to you know the you win nfl games in the trenches and i you talk about okay this is a team that is not at the bottom of the league from a team perspective from a from a results perspective because we've seen them beat the teams at the bottom of the league but from an offensive defensive line perspective i think they are in that bottom tier. I think they are at the bottom of the league. And that's not something that you can you can go from season to season and fix. Now, you are getting you you should be getting Kendra Miller back. I think he's going to play this week. 
it sounds like there's some optimism that Peyton Turner could play this week. And I know everyone kind of rolls their eyes when they hear that. Right. But, exactly. You know, one of the guys that I need to see show up and, and have a decent, you know, th- this, the, what, you know, it's funny because I, I, people, I tweet that Peyton Turner might be back and I kind of people are like, Oh, who cares? And I'm like, well, I mean, if you think the season is over, which we're going to go into the next segment, you know, what, what the roads are, you know, then those are the players that I need to see over these final two weeks show up and, uh, and do some, you know, I don't think they're going to play Trevor Penning, but I sure would love to see him. Right. To see if like, this is a guy who you can actually look at next year as a viable option. Right. You you'd and, think they'd want to get the the guy some, some reps. <laughs> Come on. I mean, I, I, I understand a little bit of you wanting to develop him early in the season, but to this point, what what else have you got to lose? Especially when you've got, you know, like, like you mentioned, Landon Young, Max Garcia, guys like that playing right now. You're telling me your first round pick can't get a, can't get in for any snaps. Um, Yeah. No, I, yeah. It, 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 it defies, you know, and, and like you, he's in year two. <laughs> right. This wasn't the first round pick this year, exactly. Yeah, and and I get it. He missed his first. They're treating him like a rookie, right? Like I think that's kind of how they're approaching Trevor. Is that they're looking at this as his rookie season, but <laughs> it's not his rookie season. And and even by those standards, you you're looking at a guy who can't even be the backup. No, you you mentioned Doug Marone, and I wonder is there. Is there some kind of strife between Penning and, and Marone uh, right there? Because it's just odds. Like, I'm just, I'm blown away with this. And I, I know everyone's going to be critical of, oh, that's what happens when, you know, you keep taking guys from these small schools. And yet it hasn't necessarily worked out for the Saints. I know everybody wants SEC talent. That's what, what fans want to see. Yeah, I don't, I don't even think it's a small school thing. I think it's a development thing, right? You know, like Caesars from Michigan. You know, like it's not like yeah. you're talking about a, you know, Eric McCoy is from Texas A&M, right? Landon Young's from Kentucky. You know, so it's not like it's not like you're you're looking at these guys and saying, well, they're all small school guys. And I don't think that you know, like, like traditionally speaking, it being a small school guy isn't isn't like the issue, right? It's it's a development thing and it's a it's a health thing in some cases yeah definitely it, health. you know and i i don't think that trevor's lacking in talent right um and and but yeah i think uh it's i i was really disappointed they didn't keep zach around you know and uh Thanks, i Sean. thought the doug doug marone thing was weird from the beginning in terms of you know what what, what drew you to him as the as the developmental guy Alabama um, shipped him out for crying out loud. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, that's like uh, this whole segment has basically been me shitting on the offensive line. And, and like, again, I think there's, you know, if you have Eric McCoy, Cesar Reese and Ryan Ramchick on the field, you have three starting caliber offensive linemen, but you need five air and, and Ryan, I, I don't know how many games a season you might even get out of him going forward, but I mean, so you're talking about you are at a deficit at two offensive line spots, a significant deficit, and you're you have to at minimum find your next right tackle, even if he doesn't play right away. And right now you don't have him. So again, you know, we're gonna talk a lot of the next couple of weeks about what the Saints have to do to kind of rebuild this team and and where they should start looking and how you should start. I'm not ready for draft shows. No, I'm not either. Uh but that's going to be where where it has to start is rebuilding because this is a yeah. team that would tell you it builds through the trenches, it, and that's why you spend a lot of first round draft capital on offensive and defensive linemen. And I get it, yeah, it just hasn't panned out though. And it's it's the right strategy, right? In my opinion, because you too. can go out in free agency and find a wide receiver, find you know a defensive back here or there, sign a safety, whatever, sign a linebacker. You know, like Larry Warford is one of the better linemen the Saints have found in free agency. Think about that. Yeah. And they paid him a lot. <laughs> you know, so, you know, we're going to see the next couple of weeks. And and that's like when I when I look at the next couple of weeks and, you know, week 18, fine. I think they can probably find a way to beat the Falcons. I mean, the Panthers did it for Christ's sakes. Um, but you look at the Bucs and you say, like, well, the Saints need to beat the Bucs. How can they do that? Well, 
if you can't block, you're not going to be you're not going to be anybody. No, and the the way Tampa's been playing right now is definitely scary because they're putting points up on the board, and uh, we, we know this team. You don't want to get into any kind of shootouts. Yeah, right. <laughs> but all right, let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back and we're going to we're going to heap some unrelenting optimism on you in terms of uh, so how you're the saying Saints are going to fight their way into the postseason at nine and eight. No, we're not going to do that. But we are going to tell you how it can happen. Um, because I do think we need to spend at least one segment of this podcast talking about what if everything goes right? What could happen then? <laughs> you know? um, but all right, let's, uh, let's, this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. Hit me up on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. Hit up Steve at Steve Geller, WWL. Follow the show at Saints underscore pod. Who dat? We'll be right back. black and gold one more segment here and it's going to be the playoff segment playoffs playoffs uh can we get a christmas miracle extended did you hear the uh, jim mora rant about morton anderson's tweet yeah i was pretty uh i don't want to say shocked but it was definitely surprising I, i enjoyed it i enjoyed it and so this is kind of funny so my wife claire i was listening to that segment we were in the hotel room and she she could hear it because it was on my phone and at one point jim mora he said he said playoffs and and Claire was like playoffs <laughs> and <laughs> you can't and help like, it. You realize that he's the guy you're quoting there and she was like what because he she's she knows that like meme but she didn't know sure. who Jim Mora was um okay. and it was just funny because like that's how ubiquitous that that playoffs is that like she didn't even realize that's who it was but she was like you know just you know it I, triggered I, I, it right I thought it was funny, but you know, it's uh, it's a very much a playoffs moment. It's like playoffs. We're just trying to win a game. game. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, and and that's kind of where we are. It's like the saints, we can talk about the playoff scenarios. We can talk about what other teams need to do to help them out. And they do need help from at least one other team. But at the end of the day, all the saints can do is win two football games, get to nine and eight, and hope for the best. And the fact is, if you get to nine and eight, you have a chance. I think something like a 12% chance based on the NFL's kind of projections, which right. is, you know, it's high enough that you're not going to, as a team, look at it and be like, well, that's that's not worth trying for. And it's frustrating because, you know, like the Rams game, you know, as demoralizing as it was, it's not necessarily about it's not because you lost it that it's demoralizing. It's how you lost it. Because, you know, if we go back to the beginning of the season, I, I said, hey, this is going to be a very tough game to win. I projected it to be a 28 to 14 Saints loss. And it was more about the situation than necessarily the teams involved. You're going out west in a short week. And the failure of this t- season for the Saints was not necessarily losing that game. It was having to win that game. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. You put because, yourself in that scenario with other games you should you should have taken care of business beforehand. Right. That was a schedule loss. Yeah. You know, like that you yeah, it would have been great to win that game, but at the end of the day, you look at this schedule and you say, which games are the Saints at a disadvantage based on the schedule alone to the point that you will have a hard time winning that game? And that was the biggest one. Yes. Was short week going out west. And you and you lost. And I don't think you lost because of the short week. But at the end of the day, that was always going to be a difficult game. And you and you and you lost it. Now, and you come back now and you're like, well, okay, you could theoretically win four of your final five games, win your final two division games, go four and two in your division, and still miss the playoffs. Yeah. Very sad. Yeah. And uh anyway, so that's gonna where, where we can start is the NFC South right now, Bucks eight and seven, Saints seven and eight. Falcons seven and eight. The funny thing is the Falcons currently rank above the saints in the division, but actually have a lower percentage chance to get to the postseason than the saints do. And it's, and it's weird because their games remaining are against the bears and the saints and the saints have the bucks and the Falcons. But the, but the reason is because the saints have the ability to hand both of those teams a loss and the Falcons do not. So that's kind of where you're at with the saints 
We're, there's no use talking about anything at eight and nine. So for the purposes of this discussion, what are the, how can the Saints get to the postseason with a nine and an eight record? Right. That, that we're going to start there. The Saints win their final two games. They beat the Bucs. I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying that's the scenario to get to the playoffs is you beat the Bucs. Right, you have to. <laughs> and then in week 18, you beat the Falcons. So you would be nine and eight. The Bucs would have to be eight and nine for you to get in. Right. And so they would have to finish show and two. And the problem is for that to happen, you would need the Panthers to go out in week 18 and they have it. The game is in Carolina and, and win. I don't want to gamble on a two and 13 team winning, beating a division opponent for the second time in three weeks, four weeks, but that's where you are. What I will say is that in most cases, when you have the literal worst team in the NFL, the, the a team that would be fighting for the number one pick in the draft, you go into week 18 saying, well, they're not going to win and they're not even going to try to win, right? Because it would only damage their own draft pick. Well, <laughs> the Panthers don't own their draft pick, so you will get a representative effort. So the question isn't whether they will try to win, it's whether they can actually win. And that's where I think you'll probably run into your no scenario. I will say at least the offense since Frank Reich, Mr. You know, the offensive mastermind was fired uh, at least this past week against Green Bay. They, I was surprised that Carolina was able to put up that many points even. Yeah, Carolina, what, what you can say if you're trying to, if you're trying to convince yourself that there's a chance <laughs> is that Carolina is playing its best football of the season. Sure. And I mean, I that's not saying much because they're two and 13, but they obviously beat the pit, beat the Falcons nine to seven. The defense played well. Bryce Young led a game winning drive, right? They came back from, I think, multiple scores down, had the game tied at 30 to 30 against the Packers. Packers went down, kicked the game winning field goal. So, you know, if you're the Panthers, there's no. There's no incentive to do anything but try to go get a win that will make you feel good about going into next season with Bryce Young and everything, right? A sales pitch to the next head coach, whatever whatever it is. Um, right. And so it's like, it's the opposite of what happened with the Eagles and the commanders, the then commander or the now commanders. It was then the football team in 2020. Because if you go back to that game, the Saints... I'm sorry, the Giants, Eagles, and Commanders were in a similar scenario. The Eagles were eliminated, and the Commanders just needed to win that game, and they would clinch the NFC East. The Giants were sitting there. It was a Sunday night football game, I remember vividly, and saying, well, maybe maybe the Eagles can will, will go out there and try and win, right? This was Jalen Hurts' rookie season. The Eagles were going to win that game. I, I like you. What at halftime of that game, you're like, man, the Commanders are really going to blow this <laughs> gift wrapped opportunity. Well, what did the Eagles do? They pulled Jalen Hurts at halftime, put in Nate freaking Sudfeld, yeah, and then said, "We didn't tank. We thought Nate gave us the best chance to win." Uh, Jason Kelsey was on the sideline, being like, "Like f these guys," because um, <laughs> that's tanking. <laughs> that's tanking. That's what tanking actually looks like. The the Panthers won't do that. And the funny thing about that game is Doug Peterson probably did it to save his job and then got fired anyway. And uh, they obviously hired Nick Sirianni and they continue to get better and better and better. They they protected that draft pick um, and they are where they are now. The Panthers won't be doing that. So it, all, all you can do as the Saints is get to week 18 with a chance to root for the Panthers. You're right. And you, you mentioned, you know, we heard from Dennis Allen and obviously that's, uh, the team's focus. The Saints can't worry about what what's going to happen in the final week of the season in a game that they don't control. You know, we can control, we can control kind of thing. So, yeah, right now they're just thinking about winning out and a number one problem is going to be those Tampa Bay Buccaneers this Sunday. Yeah. Now, in terms of so, – so if the Saints win this week, they can't be eliminated from the, from the division race, right? Like that – if they win this week, it'll go down to week 18 – yeah. Uh, and we'll, so we'll have to keep talking about it. <laughs> now, as far as the wild card, they can be eliminated this week, even with a win, because the Rams and Seahawks are currently at eight and seven. And that's, you know, I talked about last week is like, I, I was watching that Seahawks Eagles game being like, oh, that was so cool. The Seahawks drove down the field and, and, and uh, got that game winning touchdown against the Eagles. And ah, Drew Lock, good for him. And then I looked at the standings and I was like, son of a oh. bitch. 
<laughs> right. That's actually a very bad thing. It just happened for the Saints postseason hopes. And, you know, that this is why, because now the Eagles and the Seahawks, I'm sorry, the Rams and the Seahawks are at eight and seven. And this, the only way the Saints have a chance at the wild card is if one of those two teams finishes 0 and 2, right? Both, not both of them, one of them. If both of them finish 0 and 2 and the Saints finish 2 and 0, they're in the playoffs no matter what. If both of those teams win, if the Rams and Seahawks both win and the Rams are facing, the, the Rams are at the Giants and the Seahawks are hosting the Steelers. If, if the Rams and Seahawks win both those games, then the Saints are eliminated from the wild card. If one of those teams loses, if one of the Seahawks or Rams loses, then the Saints will stay alive in the wild card and whatever team lost will have to lose again week 18. So if that happens, that's not the only thing that has to happen. Because keep in mind, the Saints have lost to the Vikings. They have lost to the Packers. They have lost to the Rams. They are not winning head-to-head tiebreakers against any of these teams. Nope. They are not winning divisional record. I'm sorry, conference record tiebreakers against any of these teams. So the only way they can win is if three of those four teams finishes at eight and nine or worse. Now, the Vikings and Packers, the one positive thing I can say for the Saints in this in this scenario is that the Vikings and Packers play each other. So that eliminates one of those teams this week from being able to to go to and so what this if the if one of the Seahawks or Rams finishes 0 and 2 then whichever team wins that Vikings Packers matchup the Saints would need to lose in week 18 so if the Vikings win that would mean that the Saints need the Vikings to lose to the Lions which I think is probably the scenario you should be rooting for. So if I'm looking at this this week and saying, well, the Rams, uh, the, the the Seahawks lost to the Steelers, right? And I want the Vikings to beat the Packers because the Vikings would have to beat the Lions and the Packers face the Bears, a team that will probably be trying to <laughs> secure a draft pick here or there, whereas right. the Lions might be playing for, for a first-round bye. So I, that, that, that's the scenario... If I had to be in it, that's what I would be rooting for. In case so, if you're watching that Packers Vikings game, trying to decide who you want to win, I would say root for the Vikings so that they can lose the next week. Um, but that's it. It's actually pretty straightforward, right? So for the Saints, you need three of these teams to go to finish eight and nine. You need it's the Rams, Seahawks, Vikings, Packers. The Rams are eight and nine. Seahawks are eight and nine. One of those teams need to go zero and two, and then. The whichever team wins this week between the Vikings and Packers, you would need that team to then lose week 18. And then the Saints would need to finish at nine and eight. Again, highly unlikely. But that's those are the games to watch. You can kind of ignore Vikings Packers, despite what I just said, because the result at the end of the day won't really affect the Saints standing until week 18. But the the teams you should be rooting for. Giants hosting the Rams and and I'll give the Giants credit. The Giants are playing, you know, with pride at the very least. They gave this, they gave the Rams a run. I'm sorry, the Eagles a run for their money. And so hopefully they can do the same against the Rams if you're the Saints. And then root for the Steelers to beat the Seahawks. I don't know if if the Rudolph magic will extend beyond Christmas, but it was definitely there before oh, Christmas. Folks. Yeah, so it was. Maybe my Mason Rudolph can do it again. But those are the those are the postseason uh roads. Yeah, and uh, the one fantasy league I had Pickens on the bench, big mistake there. Yeah, I didn't watch any of that game. Again, I was like kind of, you know, in, in L.A. and we were kind of just doing our thing and I was kind of following the scores. But I looked and I was like, wait, how do the Steelers have 35 points? What happened? What happened to the Bengals? Um, yeah, they're talking Jake about Browning. I thought he was the Mason Rudolph and Pickens looked like uh, Brady and, and Moss out there. Yeah, Mason Rudolph made Jake Browning look like Charlie Brown, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that works. We'll take it. Charlie Brown Christmas, right? Womp, womp, womp. Yeah. But so, you know, again, these are the, these are kind of the depressing playoff roads again for the saints. All you can do is win and get yourself to week 18 with a fighting chance. Now I, I understand like people will look at it and say, well, I hope they lose and then go for it. You know, if that's what you want to do. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, losing might be more beneficial in terms of that first round pick, 
because if you want to look at the um, NFL draft order as it sits right now, right going into week 18, I'm sorry, going into week 17, the Saints are seven and eight. They are currently in line for the number 11 overall pick. In terms of seven and eight teams, there are one, two, three, four, five, six teams at seven and eight. So if you start to climb up these, you can quickly, very quickly get to 16, 17, 18 in terms of your draft pick. And with a loss, you could, you know, the Jets are six and nine, the Bears are six and nine. So you could feasibly, Atlanta at number 10. So you could end up probably getting as high as a, the number nine pick. Maybe the number eight pick if the Bears and the Jets win another game. So I, I I understand why you would be looking at this and saying, well, I don't want to win this week just to lose, just for the Panthers to lose, and then you ruin your draft pick for nothing. But as we've said a lot, the teams aren't looking at it that way. The team is looking at this and saying, we have a chance to go out and make the postseason. So we are going to win. We are not worried about our draft pick. Yeah, and the last thing we've talked about this, I think, too, Play, players could give a damn about a team's draft picks. <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're playing for their jobs. And, and yeah, shoot, so is, yeah, obviously the coaching, a lot, most of the coaches, you know, aren't, aren't given that luxury of, hey, if you you tank, you're, you're going to come, guaranteed to come back next season either. No, you again, know? like that's, that's the, you know, look at Doug Peterson in 2020. Right. You could tank and set up somebody else with draft picks kind of yeah. thing. Nick, I'm sure know. Nick Sirianni was very grateful to Doug Peterson for tanking so that his rookie head coaching year, he could get a sure. higher draft pick. But yeah. Doug Peterson didn't get shit out of it. No, just <laughs> he nice, got little, fired. nice little tap got on the shoulder and said, here's the door. Yeah, Doug Peterson just got shit canned. He didn't get any. That's what he got out of that. So again, it's like they're gonna the Saints are gonna now and and, and we're gonna talk about this as the week goes on. I don't think the Saints are gonna be competitive with Tampa. So we can like go all through that and say like, well, they if they win, they have a chance. I don't think this is gonna be a talking point after this week. I think Tampa's gonna wipe the floor with them. Oof. See, I just think obviously the divisional matchups I think are always tight and. I'm hoping to see some more of a spark from this team on Sunday than we did last game. I don't want to say they came out flat, but I, the energy level just didn't seem as up as when I'm watching the, the like uh, Atlanta Falcons and Tampa Bay. Those guys came out with you know tons of that energy and force, and you could tell right off the bat where this team just I, – I don't know if they don't have it or, or what it is. Atlanta came out like a team that just got embarrassed by the Panthers. I'm just like, well, we can't <laughs> let that happen again. The only the the, the one positive you'll see. Sorry, sorry. I thought it was amazing. All of a sudden, you know, Arthur Smith using Bijan. Oh my God, Kyle Pitts caught a touchdown. Um, Heineke, baby. The one thing that the Saints have going for them is they got ten days off, so they'll be rested. It's like the opposite, right? You're talking about how you had this really difficult road trip and. Now you have 10 days off and your easiest road trip in terms of, you know, what's that flight to Tampa? Like 35 minutes? Yeah, right. Get a cup um, of coffee while you're landing. Yeah. So, you know, and, and and the Saints have played well at Raymond James, right? Like if there's one thing over the last few seasons that's been pretty consistent is you send the Saints to Florida and they play well. <laughs> um, You know, whether it's Jacksonville, right? <laughs> you know, uh, they, they play well in the state of Florida. So, um, maybe, maybe this is my, you know, whatever I say, usually the opposite ends up happening. So maybe this is me reverse jinxing them. Uh, I'll take it. Right. Uh, I don't any, gamble because it happens way too often. Um, yeah, and, and the, the, with this team, obviously with the Saints, we, we don't know what you're going to get from week to week. There's been no consistency. Yeah. All the, the biggest point of consistency is if I ever describe something as having a snowball's chance in hell of happening, that's your cue to bet on the opposite because, I am almost always wrong when I am that confident. Unless it's UConn basketball. That's true. That's true. <laughs> no, they did lose to Seton Hall. We oh. Jersey kids. Well, we get we you know, you find you find one every now and then. That's true. Yeah. Blind squirrels and whatever. There you go, right. <laughs> uh broken clocks and, and all that good stuff. But all right, this is inside black and gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. We're gonna wrap it up there. Saints going to the playoffs, baby. Book it. Get ready for that. First round matchup against. Oh, the Eagles and they're bad. No, would it be Philly right now? Oh, it would be Cowboys. It would, as of right now, it'd be the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, no, nobody. I mean, we saw it the other day. Obviously, San Francisco, how the mighty fall to. There's, there doesn't look to be uh, 
anybody at least asserting any kind of dominance. So anything's possible this season because it's been so wacky. I don't know how many different quarterbacks we've seen for all these, you know, teams across the NFL. Who knows? Maybe we'll see Jay Kaner in the finale closing things out for this team, the way things have gone so wacky this season. Yeah, the ultimate wild card for me has always been like, can you get Lamar Jackson to the to the postseason healthy? Right? And the answer the last several years has been no. No, right. But what happens when you do? And I, like, I think you know, if I'm betting right now, I'm putting my money on the Ravens. Yeah. Because I just don't think you can match up with that guy. And the only reason that it hasn't happened yet is because he's been hurt. Now, will he get hurt again? I don't know. But you saw like he is when he is healthy and in his bag, I don't yeah. care what team it is. They're not going to be able to stop him. So that's like if I'm if I'm betting right now on who I think is going to win the Super Bowl, I'm going with the Ravens because the the Chiefs are dead in the water in my opinion. Like I don't. Um, you just got to watch out for the refs tripping Lamar in the end zone. <laughs> yeah, what the hell was that, man? <laughs> Can you imagine if that was a close game and that's how they lost is a safety because the ref can't get out of the damn way. Because like how many times have you seen that? Like he runs thirty yards back and then they just you know you know runs it's basically like a Madden clip, right? Like right. the bow. You know, uh, Bo uh, Bo Jackson, where he's like just chase or uh, Michael Vick, where like the entire defense, you know, miming running for you listeners. Yeah. All right, that's it. That's the tweet. All right, inside black and gold. Who dat? Go Saints. Be easy, y'all. Who dat? <laughs>